Please sit down and we'll have our Bible reading. The reading is from Romans 4, verses 13, 15 and 18 to 25. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so your your offspring will be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to be back back at church again. And uh, can I just first say, uh, just a massive uh, thank you for all your uh, care and uh, concern and uh, uh, messages, uh, cards of uh, encouragement and hope during uh, during this uh, sad time for uh, our family with a double uh, bereavement, the death of my mother-in-law, Sue's mom, and also uh, my my brother. Uh, thank you so much. It's, it's great to be part of a uh, kind and caring church family. Thank you very much. Um, We uh, began a few weeks back uh, a preaching series based on uh, uh, Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And uh, we are looking at kind of some key passages from uh, each of the chapters. Uh, A few weeks back we looked at the Gospel of God, the Gospel of God. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Then in chapter 2 we looked at sin and judgment. There's a phrase in that chapter. God will repay each person according to what they have done. And a couple of weeks back we looked at only grace saves. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came 
by Jesus. And this morning the topic is not law but faith. Not law but faith. And I just wanted to take us through uh, some of the some of the key verses here in this passage that Shane read to us. And the first one in, in verse 13, it says it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. This contrast of law and faith was a central theme in Paul's theology and his letters. Paul was a Roman citizen. He was uh, a staunch Jewish man. He was well educated in the Jewish law, having studied under uh, Gamaliel, a Pharisee and a very esteemed rabbi. And Paul was convinced that fulfilling the law was the only way to deal with the issue of sin and to become part of God's family, the nation of Israel. But an encounter with Jesus changed all that. When we consider sin in the Bible, it seems to be telling us, uh, yeah, sharing with us, that there are three main components that Christians can be saved and freed from sin. Firstly, that we have been saved from the very penalty of sin, and the word there is justification. That we are being saved from the power of sin, and the long word there is sanctification, and finally that one day, one day we shall be free from the very presence of sin, glorification. And uh, Paul here in this passage in Romans speaks about justification, free from the very penalty of sin, right standing with God. And he's most likely referring to Abraham in order to show that the emphasis on justification by faith was not a new modern idea or doctrine, but actually central in scripture from the very beginning, way before the law was given to Moses many hundreds of years later on. In Genesis chapter 15, we read that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. When we read Paul's letters in the New Testament, and he wrote at least 13 of those letters, we come across someone who constantly brings the reader back to the person of Jesus, reminding us that uh, reminding us about the centrality of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. For Paul, Jesus was all that he had. Paul knew Jesus very well. And yet, he wrote in his letters how much he longed to know Jesus even more. To go deeper with Jesus. But basically, when Paul wrote about the law, what we need to hear today 
is that the law represent, represented anything that we put weight on or rely on in order to get right with God. Paul continues, For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. It is clear that the function of the law is to show up sin. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin, Paul writes in the previous chapter. But in that law there was also a legislation for how to deal with sin, and the solution was sacrifices, both by the people who broke the law as well as for the priests. The sin got covered, at least temporarily. My question is this, whatever you and I try to do in order to impress God won't qualify us for salvation. Will it? It may make us feel good, perhaps make us look good, but surely it can't make us right with God. Surely it won't make us just before God. The author of the letter of Hebrews in chapter 12 writes that God cares so much for us that he takes time to bring us into a season of shaking in order to help us declutter things that distract us in our relationship with Jesus. So that what cannot be shaken would remain. And I'm wondering if God is shaking something in your life at the moment in order to get your attention. What is the anchor of your relationship with Jesus? What do you base your relationship with Jesus on? What is it that brings assurance to your life that you belong to him? Against all hope, Paul writes, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. This phrase, hoping against all hope, which we use sometimes to indicate that we are clinging on, even though it all seems hopeless, is based on this verse. Hoping against all hope. Is there anything that you are clinging to at the moment? As you can imagine, I've been doing some clinging over these last couple of weeks. As I mentioned, Sue's mom uh, died two weeks ago and Sue is on her way back uh, from Australia as we speak. And then last uh, weekend, uh, my brother passed away. And of course, it has been very painful. It's been very challenging. I've been grieving and feeling sad, but also trying to cling on to the promises of God and the hope that only Jesus can provide. 
So there's been a lot of clinging onto God for me and my family over the last couple of weeks. We must be a people of hope. We have every reason to be people of hope. Abraham in hope believed. And as a result, astonishing life and fruitfulness would come his way. We must be people of hope. And then, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that the body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Like Abraham, we too believe in a God who gives life to the dead. God of resurrection, God of new beginnings. But of course, death is frightening, isn't it? I think it was Woody Allen who once said that it's not that I'm afraid to die, I just, want to, I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> Death is frightening, it's scary. But we believe in a God who is bigger. You know, it's not that Abraham pretended all was fine. He faced the fact that his body was dead. He acknowledged what was really going on, but he responded in faith. He lifted his head up to the heavens. Where does my help come from? So friends, what is as good as dead in your life? Where do you take it? How do you respond? Yet he did not waver true unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Did not waver, fully persuaded. You know, at Sunday school, we learned that Jesus is always the answer, and that is still the case. Jesus has the power to deliver on his promises. We must rely on him for everything, including our eternal salvation. We are saved by grace, through faith. Faith activates the grace of God into our lives. The grace that saves us. It's not earned, of course, because it's grace, but it's completely a free gift. But it can only be accessed and received by faith. And then finally the words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us. To God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Faith looks away from God, looks away from self, and looks to God. Looks to God. God in turn responds and look to me and my circumstances and give me something, gives me something I don't deserve. And faith is attached to and focuses on the person of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. We sang earlier, death is defeated. The king is 
alive. Calvin, a great church reformer, said about this passage in Romans, that the condition of us all is the same with that of Abraham. All things around us are in opposition to the promises of God. He promises immortality. We are surrounded by mortality and corruption. He declares that he counts us just. We are covered with sins. He testifies that he is kind to us. Outward judgments threaten his wrath. Calvin went on to say, to combat this, we must do all that we can to make sure that nothing may hinder us from believing that God is true. We must be people of faith. And therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith.